Welcome to Companion Piece, a podcast celebrating the many friends and allies of the Doctor, from Totters Lane to Sheffield, Unit HQ to a 50th century medical base. We'll be taking a dive into each and every companion, exploring their life, their time in the TARDIS, and for some, their adventures without the Doctor. Today, we'll be going back to where it all began and taking a look at the Doctor's granddaughter, Susan Foreman, and her travels from 1960s London to Scarrow and beyond. So, if you're not familiar with Susan, which I know some of our listeners won't be, and if you are, some of you will only know her by name, she was one of the first companions. She was the first... Uh, I, the early TARDIS teams did have a lot more companions than New Who, so she was one of the first companions in the first TARDIS team, and as Lily said, she's the Doctor's granddaughter, and originally, I think... I think it was 42nd century they put in the original script but they, and then they changed that because it makes it more mysterious um, she appeared in 10 of her original run she appeared in 10 stories in her original run and then came back for the anniversary special The Five Doctors but for now I think we're just going to be focusing on her first few adventures because she only had a the companions only had a minor role in the Five Doctors, so it would be a bit unfair to keep talking about her when she didn't do an awful lot, because it was mainly to do with the Four Doctors that were actually in the Five Doctors. But that's a confusing statement for someone else. Um, and she's had, f- as far as I'm aware, not counting the upcoming um, post-Dalek invasion of Earth story, she's had 42 appearances in Big Finish. That's impressive. So, I think she's got one of the more. It's storied back catalogues really I think it must be between her companions wise Jago and Lightfoot because they've just got an enormous amount mm. <laughs> and they're not even technically companions but we're going to when we get to them we are definitely doing Jago they and are now they are now <laughs> um, I mean if you ask Big Finish they had a companion chronicle they are a companion um, but yeah I reckon she's probably had the most or she's had a lot if she's not the most it might be might be a fourth doctor. It might be Leela or Roman who's had the most. Anyway, that's not the point. The the point is that she's had um, stories on Big Finish going from pre uh, TV Who, mm. going all and then reaching all the way into pretty much modern day Who. Um, but we won't spoil that until a bit later on, and even then we're not going to spoil too much. No, I mean, you've got... You haven't listened to some. No, I I certainly haven't listened to them all. There's a couple of stories, like the beginning is one, and I think Quinnis as well, that are set before An Unearthly Child, and there might be be more for all I know. I haven't listened to them all. The first Destiny of the Doctors one is set set in Coal Hill, but it's set pre-Unearthly Child. Ooh, and I think there's a river story in one of her box sets, where she, the one where she dri- dips in and out of classic Who. I think there's one there with Susan in as well, which is pre Unearthly Child. But for now, we're just going to talk about TV Who, and we, when we get to Big Finish, we will be tactful in not spoiling what happens because, especially the more the later sets like Susan's War. We will be discussing once we've listened to them, but that's for someone else. <laughs> As I um, say, I can't remember anyway. <laughs> no, and I know one of our listeners at least has listened to one episode and then not the rest, so it will give us an excuse mm. to go back over them because they are excellent stories. 
So originally, according to the original um, notes they made for the character, they wanted her to be in intelligent and and sharp and really brilliantly factually knowledgeable about science and maths and the things you'd imagine a time traveller to be good at. And then really, the, the phrase they've used, which I'm not going to say is mine because it's not a nice phrase, is lamentably ignorant, uh, which kind of shows itself in an unearthly child when they're talking about decimalization and what, what was the other thing? There's something else I can't remember. Yeah, I just uh, watched the story. I I can't remember either. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but she is. I think one of the being a time lord. She is going to be one of the. Oh, is she a time lord? Are we going to let's discuss it? Is she a time lord? Is she just Gallifreyan? Time lady. I don't. What I mean is that depending is, on who is... you ask, Time Lord is different to Gallifrey. We're not going to have that discussion. That's not. It's not oh, the place for that God. discussion. But let's, <laughs> we know for certain that she is the Doctor's granddaughter. Therefore, she must have. She must be Gallifrey, if not Time Lord. I mean, it depends if a time if a Time Lord or Time Lady refers to anyone who comes from Gallifrey, or whether it's like. I think if you go by like Romana's constant refer refers to the Academy, you have to. Have like graduated into being one but I don't oh, know oh you reckon oh could be that's the way I've could always be. thought about it because like in um, I don't know if you've seen it because have you seen which one is it is it Heaven's is it Hellbent well I think it's Hellbent when you have all the ordinary Gallifreyans who the Time Lords look down on which makes me think there is like a caste difference anyway that's not the point the point is to have that discussion the point is to <laughs> so yeah like uh, the Doctor, like Romana, being a Gallifrey, and she is going to have advanced knowledge, but she is also a bit. She's not as caught up on humanity as a general concept, which is where Barbara and Ian come in and the journey that they go on. But it's hard to talk about Susan without talking about Barbara and Ian and the Doctor because they were such. They were the first iconic team, and they were basically a family. They were as much of a family as I think the TARDIS has ever had. In obviously, you have like Amy and Rory, who are a, an actual family. Um, but the family feeling for a family show at the time was that you had the elderly figure, you had the teachers, and you had the student and the child. But she very quickly grew out of that from the as I'm doing what I I'm fully stealing and I know he's listening so I will credit it to him um, stealing what Jake does on the Married to Who podcast and feeding in the tweets into the into the episode instead of just telling them all in one go um, as Chris at This Email Trash says the most written comment he has after watching Unearthly Child is Susan screams incoherently Rude. Which is a little rude, <laughs> but I can understand it. Having not I'm seen or the child at this point, we've made it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but that's about sums up her character, which is fair in the extent that in her very first few scenes, she is very easily scared. 
because she's the child and that's the point of the, the character. But I was going to say, yeah, bearing in mind that according to the, the thing anyway, she's meant to be 15. So perhaps that's yeah. not... I mean, don't judge a 15-year-old from the 1960s or from the 42nd century as you would as a teenager now, I think. Because uh, a teenager who's from the film in the 1960s isn't going to be as outwardly brash and uh, fearless. But, like you said, she is. she does scream a lot in her first couple of stories, but she is very quickly thrust into pretty scary situations. And the journey she goes on through her tenure... And while she, she does have scenes in most stories where she gets scared, but that's because she's still a child. Mm. She does go on a journey of, of learning about herself and being gaining bravery, gaining courage and understanding of what's going on. You know, she's she does... She is timid, she is frightened, and then yet she still has to. She, I think, she defines the. Or is it? Is it Planet of the Daleks, which is the whole uh, courage isn't not being afraid, it's being afraid yeah, it, and doing what yeah, you yeah, do yeah, anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. That pretty much sums Susan up, I think, because she, like in the Daleks, she is absolutely terrified. Yet she makes that journey that she has to make. Hmm. So. We'll try not to make it, let's go through all of her episodes in order, but I will list them so anyone who's listening knows which ones they have. Um, for example, if um, if I just check who it was, I'm pretty sure I know who it was, but I want to make sure before I say something wrong. Yeah, Passion Fruit Center Jar Candle at B underscore Bird underscore Moth. Um, not related to this episode, but related in general. And I'm really glad you enjoyed the episode. Um, says that they only know it through only know classic commandments through osmosis. Um, so, if you did want to watch a Susan episode, I wouldn't recommend starting with the Five Doctors, but she is in the Five Doctors. Um, she's been in ten. She's been in Unearthly Child, The Daleks, Edge of Destruction, Marco Polo, Keys of Manus, The Aztecs, The Sensorites, The Reign of Terror, Planet of Giants, and The Dalek Invasion of Earth. Now. Some of those are missing, so I would not recommend trying to watch Marco Polo. Um, but I mean, if you were that dedicated, there are there are soundtracks and there is a target novel. Are but, there um, uh, reconstructions anywhere? I've got a feeling there are. Because I know I, I know, for example, there's some for like the Daleks' master plan and that because I've watched them. But um, I will look into that and put yeah, that we'll on if I can find any. Yeah. Well, once this episode's out, if we found them, we'll add them on as an extra mm. I mean, Marco Polo, um, we had on CD when I was like 10. So I know it quite well in that respect. But well, yeah, I I'd recommend the Susan audio. Story. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a good Susan story. It's just if you're... Some people don't like the soundtrack. So if you're not mm. a fan of the soundtrack, it's not going to be a good one for you. But mm. I think we've decided on the three, at least we'll try and give you three to choose from or to watch to get a handle on the companions. Now, in this case, frustratingly, I, ha- I am going to give you the first one and the last one and one in the middle. So it does kind of spoil the arc. But having said that, you're going to listen to this and we're going to spoil the arc for you. Um, I would start, if you don't know Susan, start with Unearthly Child as a, just a full introduction to who, to all of the companions, to the first Doctor and to Susan. Um, the Sensorites is a good one for her because... As 
I think I'll have to check which account he tweeted under because he tweets to us under two as um, <laughs> yeah as Elliot EJ Copes on Twitter he's put the unearthly child she seems like a strange alien character which she is and as the doctor is as well but over time the humanity gets brought out of her and you you see that in the sensorites you see the way she's changed from she and she was in no way selfish or self-centered but she was very much she wanted to be protected and she wanted to protect the doctor by the sensorites that's grown into self-sacrifice and using her own abilities to make her own mind up Mm. and trying not to spoil it too much even though we said we, we might you do get to see a different aspect of her in the sensorites you get to see and it's been shown in different who episodes but mainly through the doctor you get to see uh, her capacity for telepathy and her way of calmly being able to deal with people in a way that i think the doctor and ian would very quickly jump to the defensive well, she is more the mediator, like Barbara is. Mm, yeah, she's quite yeah open in that sense, isn't she, Susan? Yeah. I think in a way the Doctor is not, and perhaps they bring out different aspects in each other. I that's think. What I, I think you know, as a general rule, that's what we want the companions to do, like we discussed last time. But she is a really good example of that because you get the Doctor's over protecting us and her protectiveness of him. But then when they are separated or when one of them is forced to do something the other and trust the other to do it, they they bring out aspects you don't see. I think, and the other one we were going to recommend is the Dalek and Roger Earth, which I think is a good one for seeing Susan on her own, having to deal with people she doesn't know and having to trust that the Doctor will have will find a way to deal with things. Mm. I mean, having having watched that again quite recently, there's quite a lot to Susan in that I'd say I think that is the episode that starts the whole um, stereotype of companions being the young women who break their ankle or you know get her and have to be looked after because that is what happens but she very quickly moves on from that and has to make new relationships with different people and do what the doctor says in order to be able to succeed now going through the stories bit by bit we try, we'll try not to do that because I haven't seen all of them and some of them you can't actually watch but she does start um, as the timid like I've said the timid and frightened one but she does by the end and especially on Big Finish she has a lot of she has a lot of different aspects to her that you wouldn't necessarily expect no I mean there's there's also quite a lot of well, not quite a lot of stories, but a few stories in Big Finish where she ends up on her own and doing things on her own, like the Sleeping Blood or I think the Alchemists as well. She ends up separated so. from the Doctor and having to do things sort of um, independently and quite bravely. So I think I think there's a lot more to Susan than perhaps people realise. And I think, personally, I think sometimes she's unfairly dismissed as a bit of a screamer. And yes, she yeah. screams, but I think there's more to her than that. Well, if we're going to go down the route of somebody who isn't as much of a fan, I will say what Jake has put. Um, 
and I'm saying this for love, Jake. I'm not having a go at you. Um, he was. He said she. He was shocked at how much he disliked her, which. Aww. I, yeah, <laughs> I can see. <laughs> I'm trying to be fair, but the thing is, I do see where he's coming from, because he's put that there's brief moments where she gets to be the character that Caroline Ford was wanting to, to portray, and as he says, those moments are really, really great. I'm not overly confident about talking about the behind the scenes of that time. I know that she left and there were things she wanted to do with the character that hadn't been achieved. Hmm. I mean, I know... But I... You know, I was going to say, I know, for example, in The Keys of Marinus, she wasn't particularly happy with Susan in that story because... I mean, from, she's not a character I really remember very well from that story. And I love the keys of Marinus. But but you remember sort of the Barbara moments and the Ian moments. But it's not really a story yeah. for Susan, I don't think. And she's sort of there, but she ends up, you know, getting kidnapped or tied up or whatever. So, you know, I it's mean, a that, bit like... That happens a lot. Yeah, and it's, um, it's kind of... It's a shame, you know? <laughs> really, I think. It is really because, like, like he says, there are when you can see what she is trying to do. It is a, it, she mm. is a better character than when she doesn't get to do it, but she is still a good character. I mean, you can you can almost um, see, like you said about the censorites, you can see that perhaps she was getting to do a bit of that to yeah. be what Susan was meant to be and wanted to be. That's the thing. Well, going jumping to somebody else and jumping back to Jake in a minute. Um, James Courtney, Mister J Courtney, on Twitter. He's put she's at her best when she's allowed to be the weird and the alien that she is, which is true. When she has the. When she uh, connects with, with the sensorites, when she has moments where she isn't. You sense she isn't quite what you think she is, especially um, in an earthly child. Ian and Barbara ch- tend to dismiss her as, well, you're just a fl- having a flight of fancy. This isn't real. And then the more that they learn the more weight they give to her mm, i think that's kind of a bit of fear isn't it on ian and barbara's part because they've they've been sort of swept away by the doctor and they don't you know they're not that they don't really want to but it wasn't what they had in mind <laughs> no that's the thing i think if you're talking about her at her most alien you or you do want the centrals edge of destruction is a really weird one um, in the best way, but it's a very strange story. And I don't really think it's a good one to see what they're like, because the point of the episode is that everyone is acting out of character. But in a way, that's it's a good way to look at Susan, because the way that they all act isn't how they act in, in normality. So you still get the, the protectiveness and her siding with, with her grandfather. But the further along she goes, the, there's more distance between them. Mm-hmm. I also, I, I mean, I always love those moments where the doctor does something and Susan's sort of like, Grandfather, what are you doing? Or or whatever. So I like the fact yeah. that she sort of sometimes stands up to him or, you know, there's kind of that interesting thing to be had as well, that kind yeah. of relationship that perhaps he has with companions, but because they're closer than that in terms of being family... It's that's quite an interesting um, sort of dynamic. 
It is. Well, it's supposed look. And the thing is, I didn't really click this until I've just thought about it. But the sensorweights and the Dalek vision is a good one for that because she's she wants to protect the Doctor. She wants to be with the Doctor at all times on those episodes. But she is so defiant, especially in the sensorweights. When she decides mm. in in I think it's the second episode. One of, I think it's the second episode where she decides that she will sacrifice herself in order to save the others, and the doctor argues her out of it. But she is still so defiant. She is still this is what I want to do. Yeah, there's that scene where she appears with the sensorites, isn't there? And and she's going to leave with them, and the doctor's sort yeah. of like very much like no, no, child, you don't know what or, or whatever he says. I can't remember. It's yeah. been a long time since I've seen and it. She instantly yeah. goes on the yeah. attack. Yeah, and and sort of goes no grandfather i've made up my mind i have to do or, or whatever it is it's that famous mm. not famous but that more famous scene of, of well i'm just treat me like a silly little child and well if you act like a silly little child then yes <laughs> but i i think that she gets dismissed as that too often mm. when she has them that if you remember that scene and you don't remember the scene previous to it when she is defying what the doctor wants to do and she's saying this is what i'm doing you can't stop me regardless of if he can and he did stop her she still was defying her grandfather which you think of Susan along you know like James has said on here she has independence in the Daleks and in the episode of the Daleks and um, the most important relationship she has is with the Doctor but it's 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 not it changes it develops like any relationship should as the doctors, and I'm, I'm not trying to read exactly what Jim just put, but it's a good point he's made about it's the doctor's origins. Those first few episodes with Susan, and he goes. He, there is a point of him being extraordinarily violent towards cavemen in the first episode, and by the time she leaves, he's grown into someone who will happily just at the just after she has asked him to stay, he will stay and he will help. But their relationship is the most important relationship I think in that entire run until she leaves because she changes him and Ian and Barbara change her in not not bad ways but in more ways than one mm, I mean he also ends up with a fondness for, for Ian and, and Barbara doesn't he yeah. as well which is probably part of the humanity that perhaps Susan brings to him from her kind of experiences of humans perhaps i don't yeah, know yeah i think if i don't know if you've heard um hunters of earth which is the first destiny one no she is she's more alien in that than she is an unearthly child but you can see the way she's changed and she's adapted and she's become more human because of her interactions with humans and because of her interaction with ian and barbara and then she then passes that on to the doctor and I think he grows from her growth as well. So it's 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 a it's the most important relationship in that era of the show, I think, up until the point of Dark Invasion of Earth when she leaves. Mm. But I mean, even then, that's an interesting ending, isn't it? Because she almost she doesn't want to go, and she does. And I think that the doctor yeah. sort of steps in and goes, "Well, no, you have to grow up now and go and do what you want to do without me." Because I think, as much as he does get written off as the grumpy doctor, 
he is he shows a lot more perception than than people think especially there's there's, there's a scene in the Dalek invasion of earth when susan and david are i think they, i think they're just cooking they're cooking yes. while the doctor is away and they have that moment and it's not outwardly overly like sappy and romantic but you can see it there that there is a connection and you can see the connection almost immediately because you don't really people don't realize how quite how clever and witty the character is it's i'm just thinking of the scene where like um, barbara and susan get taken to the resistance camp and like oh barbara can you oh yeah i can cook and says what do you do I eat, and that's all she says. <laughs> yeah. she, is she doesn't know these people. She is defiant. Yeah, she, she will not let them talk to talk her around to doing anything. Yeah, she's just like, I'm not telling you anything. So there. <laughs> and so very quickly develops into the relationship they have, and it's mm. you can see the connection and the chemistry there so quickly. Mm. I think that's perhaps what the fact that Dalek's invasion of Earth has that sort of length to it. I think allowed for that development in a way perhaps that a shorter story wouldn't. I think the length of that story yeah. works because so much happens that you've got that time for, for everybody to sort of have their own little moments in it. But it is very much a, uh, well, not very much a Susan story, but a lot of it is centric around Susan and things yeah. like that. Well, very, they all get their own things. Even the side characters get things to do. Um, I genuinely think it is one of the more brutal first Doctor stories. Mm. The amount, and not many comparatively to like Resurrection of the Daleks or or especially Modern Who, but a lot of people die in that story. Yeah, it's very dark. I, I mean, I hadn't seen it for a very long time and then I watched it again quite recently and I'm like, wow, this is dark. I always forget how early it is in the run as well because... The Daleks was the second ever episode. That was only the tenth ever episode. There wasn't a Dalek appearance between the Daleks and Dalek Invasion of Earth. Mm. And it does very much go from we've introduced these these aliens and then we defeat these aliens to all-out invasion of the planet. But it does work. And I think Susan's an important part of that because you can see that it, it could very easily have gone... A version of the scene from Journey's Earth, not Journey's End, um, The Stolen Earth, when everyone is panicking because the Daleks are there and they all know what they can do. But Susan doesn't do that. She she is calm and she goes, right, we've, we've done it before. We can defeat them again. And she helps and she does everything she can. She does what she's told. She does what the Doctor told her to do, but she also defies him and she also does her own thing. And she falls for David. And I'm... I quite like that relationship as it develops onwards through... And I don't think David's in Big Finish, is he? I... I don't know, actually. Certainly not the same person. I mean, he's, probably, actor, he's no. probably mentioned. I don't know if he's ever, if he's ever been I actually don't played. I don't, I don't know. No. Well, it's... Um... It's a, I like the, the way it develops. It is, it's mm. slow. It's not like in some companions that I'm sure we'll get to someone else. It's not. Here's a character. Within two episodes, they've fallen in love and they've gone. <laughs> they develop over the course yeah. of a full five or six episodes. I think I, as somebody, as being a bit older, appreciated that more because I I hadn't watched it for some time and I, I sort of, not dismissed it, but I was sort of like, oh, 
Susan got married and just left. And then you watch it, and actually, it's a lot more than that, I think. And it it's it's a lot... It's a lot of a better ending than I think I ever gave it credit for until now. Anyway, I mean personally. Yeah, I can see that. I think, I think if even if you don't know an awful lot of classic Who, that's one of the episodes you know about because it's the one. But unless you've watched it, I classic Who does get written off, doesn't it? As especially early Who, as wobbly sets and you know bad writing when it isn't. When the the even if the writing is occasionally a bit not as it would be now it's still acted so well and that you can sense the chemistry you can see the relationship properly develop between them and by the end it's still and you know i'm not going to be uh, afraid to say this it's still an emotional it's still a, like a heartbreaking ending because mm. it, it is so joyful and happy and yet she plays those moments where she is in love with david and she wants to she wants to marry him and she wants to stay there with him but she cannot, she can't bring herself to leave the doctor. No, you can, you can sort of tell that in a way the doctor didn't want to do it, but he knew he had to, and he knew he had to let her yeah. go. I think. I, it's the, there's the scene that I made a note of because I just I like that it's subtle, and if you don't listen to it, it's, it just seems like a normal line where they have that moment where they almost kiss, and then the doctor comes back. Yes. And they <laughs> leap apart. And it's like, oh, and David does the full on like, oh, we were just doing, uh, 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 and it's brilliant, and it's, you can tell it's, it's awkward, but it's na- it's naturalistically. It's awkward. like it's like, like bringing your boyfriend home to your dad or something, yeah, or whatever. He doesn't, know, he doesn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, it's kind of like uh, that awkwardness, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's so awkward, but it's realistic. It's not like it's forced or anything. It's just it's it's what would happen, and it's the line of oh, we've we've got this cooking, we're doing rabbit, and the doctor comes in and goes. Yes, I can see something's cooking, and then moves on. And it's like <laughs> the delivery of, I know what's going on. I'm not going to mention it, but it's like you can see that he. There's, uh, there's another scene, and I don't want to spoil the whole story for people who haven't seen it. But the scene where Susan says, "Oh, David says we're going to do this. It's a good idea," and the Doctor immediately jumps into the defence and goes, "Well, you're not going to listen to me then. Oh, you just listen to me. You prefer him over your own grandfather." <laughs> and then he comes in and immediately is so respectful to the Doctor and immediately says, well, what do you think we should do? And the Doctor then immediately just says exactly what David had told Susan to do because he realises, and you can see in that moment that he goes from, I don't like this man, get him away from my granddaughter, to he is, I have respect for this person, it's a good idea. And it's similar to the scene in Unearthly Child between him and Barbara where he goes from a really grumpy, crotchety old man to, I do actually care for these people. He, I remember on occasion he sort of gets Barbara to deal with the things that perhaps he can't with Susan. Because obviously you don't know anything about... Well, you might do later, I don't know. But in terms of the series, you don't know about her parents or, or whatever. or her, whatever. So he gets That's Barbara to... issue. He gets Barbara to kind of deal with those little things that perhaps he is either unsure about or he doesn't feel like he can deal with himself. So... Yeah, yeah I, I don't really know. I mean, uh, I'm not going to pretend I know everything about everything because I really don't. No, there's a lot that I haven't read or um, or listened to, but I know that as um, 
Well, as we were just talking, I've read the last bit that James has put us about le- the doctors leaving her to give her, not just to give her a home, but to make sure she's safe. And they, they make that point of Susan wanting somewhere to belong. Mm. And I think that's what they've given her at the end of her run. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yes, yes. And it's, they do explore that a lot more um, in the books, in the novels, and in the in Big Finish. It's a bit like uh, Victoria in that respect, isn't it? Because she wanted to belong didn't she in a way because she you know like i suppose susan traveling around all the time can't go back to gallifrey and so therefore she doesn't really have that safety in that home yeah well she um there's a line at the start of dalek invasion where she says is it so bad that i want us to stay together and you can see that the change between her at the beginning of the story when she does not want to leave and she does not want anyone to leave and she is if not fully happily she is willingly leaving to marry David and to carry on a life with him and I think I can't remember now that has reminded me because of those stories have been adapted separately into the character who I still don't disagree I still don't agree with calling her Susan who because that doesn't work but in the films I'm sorry I'm not, the, I'm not laughing at that it's just a, I'm why we just don't keep the name it makes sense because the name as we all know isn't actually Susan and it isn't Susan Foreman Foreman they nicked from the yard hmm. which is why you have the moments of Doctor Foreman and then that's the first Doctor Who because the Doctor has no idea who they're referring doesn't, to yeah doesn't he have like an odd reaction to that doesn't he go what or something yeah yeah because he's like oh Doctor, Doctor Foreman we need to like, Doctor Who and uh, I just love that story because it's, it's just you get to see immediately how brilliant William Hartnell was but that we're not doing this episode about William Hartnell we're doing it about Callum Ford no um, it's it's nice though that, <laughs> that obviously Carol and Ford and William Hartnell after had yeah. that, that like a quite a close relationship which I believe they did because it, it amused me quite a lot actually because when I heard her talk at must have been Hooverville because I think that's the only time yeah. I've met her and she said that occasionally Bill would sort of tell her off for little things and she'd say Bill Bill you're not really my grandfather <laughs> but in like an affectionate way so yeah. I think I think that's that's quite nice it's just I, th- I still uh, if we just dive divert to the films for a minute just to discuss how mm. how different they are mm. like how Jake says and he's, he's putting about where Susan's not in episodes and the episodes are better for it that's a very good point but we'll discuss that in a minute um, I mean that's, that's just... yeah no I was just going to say that's true though of I think I think sometimes not having specific characters allows the other characters to develop like there's instances in the time meddler where the doctor's not there so you've got Stephen and Vicky but that allowed for Stephen to sort of have a bit more to do and to develop a little bit more to as a new companion yeah and I think that that because there's bits like that in the web of fear isn't there where Pat wasn't there so you had various other things going on without the presence of the doctor so I think sometimes I I agree that's a good thing it is, it is, and it works well. When you've got episodes that are more recent and are... for I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not spoiling it because most people will have seen the more recent episodes and even the people I know who are now currently watching them have seen 
um, up to what was the they were about to do demons the Maoris were about to do demons so I can talk about these episodes where you have certain characters who are still in the episode but they just have nothing to do sometimes you prefer them not to be in the episode at all yeah I, it's also a bit fairer on the on the character in a sense you don't want them to be remembered for doing nothing you'd rather that perhaps it focused on whoever the character is at the time and then they come back in it and you go oh it's whoever it is exactly like the scenes in there's there's episodes i think there's two episodes of the sensorites with barbara isn't in at all and they focus on susan and ian and the doctor and it lets susan develop more where she she realizes that the power she has at least in the sensorites is she can use it to her own advantage and she can explore that and the doctor encourages that so it's um it's just good to have for her to have moments where if there's other people she can be explored and if she isn't there then they can explore the other characters um but speaking of the susan in the films which i have only seen i think once oh i, lo- um, I love the films i have a very large oh, soft spot for I've the films them, but I, <laughs> I just i've only seen them the once um they're kind of at least what i started with a little bit which which a lot of people seem to say i think I probably watched Dalek Invasion of Earth was one of the first first Doctor stories I watched, and then I went back and watched the films. And like how Jake said, the Susan in the films is smart and capable and seems like she was raised by the Doctor. And at times, I can see that you don't get that in the TV episodes. But I think that's quite well done because it it shows how different they are because they aren't their family and they're the same species but they aren't the same people and with every child or grandchild and parent you are gonna have people you're gonna have disagreements and you're gonna have moments where they act out and i think it's done quite naturally i quite like i quite like the development she has where sometimes they don't feel like they're they're one good pairing because they 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 have to have some sort of conflict. Mm, I mean there are Yeah, I mean I think I could be making this up, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm pretty Fine, sure pretty sure there's a bit in the big finish story the alchemists. This isn't a spoiler because it might be wrong anyway. That <laughs> that I'm pretty sure where the doctor ends up for some reason working with the people who perhaps aren't um aren't necessarily good and i feel i feel like susan does genuinely question that but i might have made that up so, so i i, no, I listened to it in the beginning yeah i listened to it a while ago when i was walking around in leeds so i could have made that up mm-hmm. and not have been listening well when when you did when we did the listen for the the companion chronicle the beginning which is that one of the one of the 50th there are definitely mm. moments in that where she says where she's basically tells the doctor no what you're you shouldn't be doing what you're doing and she is really even though uh Stoyne in that and i'm trying not to spoil it isn't is very much the antagonist and he's he's not a nice person she still shows a lot of sympathy and i think i think that's one of her basic character traits is that she is a really caring character who sometimes doesn't understand why she shouldn't be yeah i mean alternatively i think maybe the doctor 
not always, but sometimes struggles with sympathy. Although the interesting thing about... I always think of the scene in The Unquiet Dead where Chris is quite sympathetic to the Gelf, isn't he? And perhaps that's the whole time war influence, which I think it is, where, you know, I think that's quite interesting. Whereas, you know, you think of the other doctors and they'd be more wary than perhaps he is. And I think maybe it's that sort of worn down quite um not disillusioned but perhaps after the time war he's almost a bit too trusting i think yeah i think so i think that's the thing especially the early the early companions they were there as i think 12 says in one of the stories i think i think it's into the daleks that the companions care because he doesn't so he doesn't have to and it's not necessarily that brutal, but it is, the first Doctor especially, is more, to start with, is more selfish. Oh, yeah. Than he yeah. ever is in later re- regenerations. And he, Susan is there basically to temper that. She is to calm him down. Mm. And you can see the contrast so well mm. in that. Now, I don't know, I don't want to go into spoilers now. So I want to bring up the big finish um, and the novels that she's been in. Now, I haven't read many of her novels. I've got a couple of the eight Doctor Adventures she's appeared in, but I haven't read those yet. So I'm not going to spoil it because I've no idea what they're doing anyway. But um, I know there are stories that are possibly canon, possibly not um, novels that she's been in. For now, I think, because I haven't actually read any, and I'm not sure if you have. Uh... I've, I mean, I've got a couple. I've got, I think it's the Witch Hunters that she's in, but yeah. again, I haven't read it. The Sorcerer's Apprentice, is it? The Witch's Apprentice, something like that. Something like that. I know which one. You I mean, haven't yeah. read that either because I'm a really rubbish right. fan. <laughs> Too many books, not enough time. As Professor Cronotis <laughs> says, what book? I haven't got any books. Oh, <laughs> that book. <laughs> oh dear. Um, that's the thing. But I think if we go past the. Um, the novels for now because we haven't actually read them if anyone has read them let us know because i'm really interested to know what happens but i mean as, um, try not to spoil it <laughs> i mean how is i mean i i haven't got the target of an unearthly child but it would be quite no, interesting perhaps to see i mean who wrote the target was it anthony coburn i will have a look i can't i can't remember um it, that sounds about right, to be fair. Because I just, I just wondered whether it was written by him or whether it was written by somebody else. And if that was the case, it would be quite interesting to see. Terence Sticks. Was it Terence Sticks? So it would be quite, no, it would be quite interesting to see what he made of Susan. I think. It would. So I at, at a later, at a later date, I might very well have a look at that and see whether he picked out any other bits or whether he sort of kept to this you know what maybe other people have made of susan yeah that would be good actually that would be good to see well in i mean i think that perhaps that's something we can certainly do further on then thinking about it is have a little delve into the targets and see who writes for which characters and what they made of them i mean the one that the one that made me laugh was i think it was ian martyr actually who 
described Vicky as being a bit like Joan of Arc, and I was like, is that complimentary? I don't know. I'm not overly sure. <laughs> I dep- uh, it depends. I mean, wasn't jo- wasn't Joan of Arc a peasant or something? I don't know. I, I don't know. Was he more referring to the idea of the bowl cut? Maybe. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. Let's let's not. It, it, it sort um, of made me laugh, but anyway. It, it is. It's it's a good. It's a weird way of describing it, but I suppose if that was the way he did it. Yeah. Um, but going into Big Finish, as we have had a couple of people mention, if I can get back to where I were, as you know, put second appearance, my friend, is Passion for Saintly Jarkandle again. Um, she has done a quite a, quite a bit of Big Finish stuff, and he isn't the only one. Jake has also said that they want they both want Caroline back on the show. Oh yeah, because I would love that. That would be brilliant, especially her with thirteen. I think would work very well. But yeah, I do <laughs> that. That kind of female dynamic. Because I was, I was yeah. just thinking, actually, funnily enough, about Susan and Ping Cho in Marco Polo. Because I think that I think that whole friendship is lovely because I don't think Susan has necessarily had that kind of female kind of best friend or that closeness to somebody female because she's been with the doctor for so long and that's not necessarily a bad thing but i think that the kind of dynamic between susan and 13 would be quite interesting and that's why i think think the only is barbara yeah yeah i think when is more of a teacher than anything than a friend i think yeah i think that relationship kind of grows doesn't it but i think yes i think that it's it's quite nice for her and Ping Cho because it's like almost like a it's a bit like a childhood friend, isn't it? It is. It is. For her that she ne- that perhaps she's never had. That's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. You, I would, I would have liked to to have had more scenes like that. Mm, oh, I think so. Yeah, I mean. Well, here's an interesting mm. idea that Jake brings up, mm. which I will. I will now. I'll move on to Big Finish in a minute, but this is it's a good point that he's made. Of would we want her if she was to come back on the screen to have a regeneration, so we could have potentially another ask another version of Susan? Yeah, regenerate her into Claudia rather... Grant. <laughs> oh, that would work. That would explain a lot. Oh my, no, I'd make it more complicated. That make it a lot more complicated if you're going to Big Finish. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Because if you, um, I I would like to see it. I think, but also it would have to be done quite well. I mean, because th- she's so iconic. Yeah, because it's like the Doctor has sort of had these regenerations now. The interesting thing would be, would people accept another Susan? Although they accepted another Romana. Mm, true. Or did they? I, I think, think they did. I did. I think they did. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to speak for everybody um, there thing is that's the thing i think because susan is so iconic and we haven't had that many hints about her in modern who we've, we've had the odd discussion of him being a parent or him being grandparent and we had the framed photo of her on twelve's desk in the pilot but that was really it if they brought her back it would have to be very well done and if they did a regeneration especially that would have to be handled very well because i think giving let's just say she is the the first regeneration of susan Given someone like Caroline Ford, who is so iconically that character, and she has been for so long, a, d- a definitive end would be a big step. Mm. I, I 
almost think... Because even in Big Finish they haven't done that. Yeah. You almost think... One thing that I think I'd love to have had is an older Susan and Peter Capaldi. I don't know why. I just think that would have been... I just... I really want that to have happened. That would have been just... No, you know, he's a doctor where you feel like he needed that. Do you know what I mean? He did. Like, yeah, no, no offence to Bill. End. I love Bill. I do. But like, and, or whoever. But like, you just feel like that was a point in time where it would have been really nice for him to have that. I think, and plus I think the dy- the sort of thing would have been quite nice because Peter Capaldi's a bit of a older doctor, isn't he? Like Hartnell was. Yeah. I think I think when he started, weren't they the same age or I've something? I've got a feeling he was older when was he, he finished. O- in yeah, I think yeah. he was. Yeah, but I think that older Doctor dynamic with an older Susan would have been quite nice, almost for them to catch up, see what they were up to, or to just meet. Yeah, I would like to see how they would handle it because Night of the Doctor canonized a lot of the Eighth Doctor Big Finish adventures up to and including the ones that he had had with Susan. Which meant, which would I would imagine would mean that you would have to have at least a, a very quick discussion of those. Now, I don't want to spoil them. I'm not sure how many of the Eighth Doctor and Susan stories you've heard, so I don't want to spoil it for you either. Now, she comes back with, which is I still think is a, both the most obvious and quite a clever title in An Earthly Child, which is about her son. Which I just love that he's played by Paul McGann's actual son. Really? Um, yeah, it's Alex McGann, isn't it? Is that Alex? It's something McGann. I knew that, not. I, I, I just find it brilliant. <laughs> I'm um, such a rubbish fan. You're sitting there going, oh, he did this, and I'm just going, really? <laughs> if, if you've not, if I'm you gonna, don't know that, I'm then it's, gonna, it's not I'm going to go and get in a bin. Um... <laughs> Right, so you had Susan's son, Alex Campbell, as played by Jake McGann. Ah. I, that... knew, I knew, I got the name wrong, but I knew it was a McGann. Yeah, that, and I'm pretty... this is really random, but that always makes me laugh, because there's this, this folk singer called Alex Campbell, and my brother really likes him, and it always makes me laugh. But that's really not the point, <laughs> I just thought I'd say that. Well, he's, um, yeah, so he's the, poor, he's the son of Paul McGann, which I pretty certainly was. So... Immortal Beloved, which is one of the... This is a completely different thing, which is one of the Eighth Doctor ones, is... has him in as a completely unrelated character. He then becomes Alex Campbell in An Earthly Child, Relative Dimensions, and the two-part finale to the series four of the Eighth which I will not talk because I know if you don't know how that set of stories ends, I do not want to spoil it for you. But... he Susan has her son, has the Doctor's great-grandson and they do have they do have time together with the doctor and i like those stories because it's just it's nice to have a domestic situation with the doctor in with his actual family and the the pre the pre unearthly child stories i don't want to spoil at all because they're just nice stories and the ones that are set during her run are also just really nice but Susan's Susan's life once she finishes with the Doctor, when she ends her TV run at Dalek Invasion of Earth, marries David Campbell and then has a son. Once she's met the Eighth Doctor and those stories have occurred, there is then a short trip 
in which she gets dragged into the time war. That is all I'm saying because I don't want to spoil it, but the set, Susan's War, is an excellent uh, exploration of how she is and how she doesn't change because she's in a, in a wartime situation. She still, she still has her defining qualities. She has had things happen, which I do not want to spoil, but um, she is still who she was in the show, just with a lot more fire and strength, I think. Especially during the, the I won't. It's not going to be a spoiler because you can tell um, from like the first few moments of uh, the first episode of Susan's War. But it's set on the Sensphere, and letting her back into a situation where she has those abilities explores that so well and lets her just lets her show every aspect of herself. And she isn't. She isn't. Um, the timid little girl anymore but she is still the caring and compassionate person that she was in the show and I think that you can credit that to the writing or the direction or whatever but I genuinely think so much of any character in Who is down to the actor especially Susan because Caroline Ford is such a good actress and such a she gives so mm. much character to Susan mm. I mean in interestingly I, I haven't seen it but I know that in part, apparently, her casting was due to a performance she did in Z Cars, I believe, which, funnily enough, was directed by Morris Barry and written, I think, by Alan Pryor. It is on a platform that I won't mention, or they'll probably take it down for copyright, called Big sure. Catch, but I will warn you, the quality is a bit crap, but... <laughs> Z, I mean, Zed Cars is great, but we're not going to talk about Zed Cars. <laughs> but point being, we're in the right era point being, it would it would be quite interesting to watch just to to get a little bit of an overview of Carol Ann Ford's other roles. I mean, she's also excellent in Public Eye as well. I cannot remember the name of the episode, but she's in it with Philip Maddock, I believe it is. And I will find the name of the episode if you want to see Carol Ann Ford in some other roles. Because she is she is excellent. And I think it's a bit of a shame that, as she said on more than one occasion, after Susan, she perhaps wasn't thought of as... as yeah, uh, you do tend to get a yeah, yeah. Like, unfortunately, I think, as she said, she kind of did. <laughs> That's the problem. I mean... I think if you're the doctor, you don't. You get to do whatever you want. But if you're any companions, you do get time typecast a little bit. Mm, I mean, I think that's an interesting one because there are some actors like Tom Baker sort of is the doctor, isn't he? Yeah, but he make, he's happy with mm. that. I think. For yes. instance, the show that is now, mm. I'm never going to recommend to a single human being because it's so outdated and yet it's quite recent. The one where he narrates a, a, a comedy... A sketch show, which I won't mention. <laughs> yeah, he that makes one. fun of himself so mm. often in that, mm. and I think he, mm. I think he's okay with the idea here because he is mm. the doctor to so many people. But Peter Davison has gone on to be any number of other things. I mean, um, he's known for all creatures great and small, isn't he? I can't remember yeah, the name of his before, character, uh, but never mind. Tristan was he Tristan? Was that? 
Was he Tristan or was that Robert Hardy? Anyway, no, anyway. Robert Hardy was Siegfried. Was he Siegfried? Maybe he was Tristan. I, listen, I we're don't not know. Doing an orc. We're not doing a James Herriot podcast. Right, let's not do <laughs> Yeah, but as an example, or like John Pertwee saying his favourite role was not the Doctor, but was or Gummidge. But, um... <laughs> I mean, the, I, mean yeah. I suppose the thing is, Pat was quite an established actor anyway. Bill mm. was as well, because Doctor Who was towards the end of his... Oh, he was more... Run Sergeant to a degree. Major, wasn't he? Yeah, and then, obviously, Peter was known for other things. Colin had little bit parts in stuff, didn't he, and, and things. Yeah. Um, well, I always forget that Pat Troughton was in The Omen. When yes. I watched The Omen, I'm just like... <laughs> This is a really weird episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, Sil- Sylvester, I think he's... Known for, I think he did all sorts of things. He presented stuff, he, he acted in for, stuff. Was it, was it, it Tiz? I think he was it? on Tiz, was, yeah. He was known for being a slapstick comedian and anything. <laughs> and now he's known for being one of the most dark, manipulative doctors on the whole show. <laughs> and he does it. He does that transition so well. But anyway, we'll get to that when we talk about like Mal or Ace. Ace especially. Um, but... Yeah, the point I was trying to make before we rambled about being typecast is she was so iconic that it, it did, I think, typecast her for a bit. But that's the thing, it's... um. But she is... I'd kind of want her back, I'm not sure if I do, because she, if she comes back, she has to be done so well. You need someone who really, like, knows her character. But there you go. But yeah, I would recommend, if you don't know too much about Susan, watch her TV appearances first, but definitely could dig into her Big Finish catalogue because it is excellent. And especially her appearances with Paul McGann because they play that so well. They play the we're not sure about each other to immediately back to, yep, that's my grandfather. That's the, and it's Even though Paul McGann is playing a doctor who looks about 40. I know he's not older than that, but Paul McGann looks about 40. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he hasn't like aged in like 20 yeah. years. <laughs> it's terrifying. Or something. I'm of him already, <laughs> I'm only 22. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> oh, you're younger than me then. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to dig into that. Um, <laughs> no, but Caroline Ford is playing like Susan in her 60s, 70s? Oh, what now? I think, yeah. Uh, in those, yeah, she'd have been... I mean, she's nearly 80, believe it or not. Sorry, Carol. So I, I think. Um, well, anyway, she she wouldn't be. She would be. Say she is fifteen. Mm. She would probably be. Mm. I mean, what's what's oh, what's lovely about Carol Ann Ford? I think is she's got a voice. It's a bit like Annika or Peter, or Fraser. They've got voices where they've matured, but there's still that still the recognition and i mean i think peter sounds almost exactly the same but i'm really biased but I she's think got Carolyn Ford can do susan mm. and can do the narrator as two separate people yes well. yeah she's got that kind of susan but it's a bit more of a mature susan perhaps i think yeah, that works i think, I think so. that works to the ad- to oh, her especially, advantage especially in the more the susan's war set and her eighth doctor sets where she is playing the older susan against and it's just nice to have her, and she has matured, and you can tell that. But with Paul McGann playing the Doctor, who is hundreds of years old but looks forty, um, you have an older woman and a younger man, not the other way around. Mm. And I like that that contrast. It works very well. So it's um, I would recommend going into those and seeing if you if you enjoy it, and seeing if if you can tell the contrast between the two. 
But I think overall, Susan is rightly remembered as one of the most iconic characters and as one who, even if you think she, she of her as the one who screams all the time, watch all of her stories that you can and you will see that that changes. Even though there are moments in Dalek Invasion of Earth and Five Doctors, for that matter, where she is, I think, in her forties. I think in the f- Five Doctors. Anyway, she she um she is still the one. Oh, I'm scaring when I scream because they're in a scary situation. But I think I would, and this is not me having a go at anyone, especially Jake or Chris, because I understand that's your point of view. But I would like a situation in which you've been chased out with a caveman with a pretty great axe and you don't scream. <laughs> Because it's very well, it's very well acted in those moments. I think it is a scary situation, and it's. But they are. I can see where you're coming from. Where she mm. does scream a lot, and she does, but she does develop as well. Am I am I right in thinking that in Marco Polo, she's the one who sort of senses that our lovely warlord Tagana isn't quite what he appears to be. I think she is. Is yeah. that right? Because she she's obviously the one who points out about the cave of a thousand eyes, ten thousand, whatever it's called, the cave, the cave, with a load of the cave thing. I can't remember what it's called, <laughs> but anyway. Oh, that reminded me of the. Um, have you heard the first Doctor Lost stories that Big Finish did? The farewell, great massive. Yes. I have actually. Now, yes, she is excellent in that, oh, especially that, in Out. That is an in... exquisite story. So good. It is. I'd recommend that it. That one and um, the fragile yellow arc of fragrance. That is more Barbara's story, but Susan gets such a pivotal role in that as well. Mm. I confess I haven't heard that one, but I have heard Farewell That's only Great like Mastodon. Two episodes. Farewell Great Mastodon is what six episodes, and that one's two mm. because it was only an eight episode set. But mm. I would reckon if you can, that one's a good one to start with. The farewell. Farewell, Great Master. Mm. It's it's a historical, but it doesn't, you know, it's a proper who historical. Mm. But yes, it's still so impactful, and she is the one there. I think who doesn't doesn't always know what's going on, but she understands what isn't right. Mm. As with Marco Polo, I think perhaps because of you know people sometimes treat Susan like a a child. I think sometimes she's more shrewd than they realise, and therefore yeah. can pick up on those things. That perhaps you know Barbara and Ian, as as one of the adults, are treated as such. Whereas I think Susan perhaps sometimes is not, and therefore she sits there and goes, "Well, actually," and picks up on all these little things. I think that, that is, and I, this is just me reading into it. Um, because of her abilities on the in the sensorites, and like the doctor says, they can occasionally know what people are thinking or feeling. And I like that they can be suspicious and you're not always sure it's that just them seeing someone acting like a suspicious so-and-so and going, that's obviously not right. Or whether they feel that there is something wrong. And the distinction there is obviously really subtle, but I like how it's always played quite well. Mm. Now, the only other person that I haven't mentioned on our of our lovely friends who tweeted us is... I think it's just an attack on Barbara and Ian. But there you go, I'll read it anyway. Neither the time nor the space. Saying that they just wish the teachers had maintained appropriate boundaries. We wouldn't be in this mess. Which is fair, I think. (laughs) Because we wouldn't be able to do that nowadays of having two teachers follow a student home. (laughs) But I kind of like that we're in this mess. Um, But I see the point. It was, it's a very, I think they actively say that as well, don't they, in Unearthly Cobra. Ian turns around and says, 
this you know is there something along the lines of how suspicious is this <laughs> yeah i mean it's funnily enough we were talking about something similar last night to do with narnia believe it or not anyway that's another story oh. but the idea that to us tumnus and lucy he's like a man well he's a fawn okay but and she's a little girl to us that might seem very strange but then i said my observation was that when it was written the ideas were probably very different and i think perhaps in the 60s maybe maybe they weren't maybe they were were meant to care for their students or 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 in that sort of or maybe i don't think that i think the i mean obviously it's done quite innocently and because of what we now know, what happens, and because of social media, the news, online, the internet, everyone's yeah. more wary, perhaps. And just t- to us, that probably seems really weird that that they would c- care in that way. Because obviously yeah. now there's boundaries with teachers and students and, and all <laughs> sorts of things. True. It's it's. I mean, obviously, it's done for all the right reasons, but I think for us, it seems very odd. I agree. It does. I, it yeah. is a bit of. I can see where they're coming from, but before we go down that rabbit hole any further, um, I I think I've talked about everyone. I'm not sure I've missed anyone out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, realistically, the point of this podcast, other than me and you just talking about something we love, is we want people who don't know who to get into who especially classic who and as um passion for you said jar candle as you said and you i hope this is successful i hope we haven't gone into too much depth that you are out of out of your depth with it but oh okay i've just reread their piece and we will eventually do an ace episode oh yeah but i've got a feeling that is going to be a big episode so you have to prepare yourself for that one but I'm hoping that we've inspired you a little with this. And um, if you want to watch any Susan, like I said at the beginning, the ones we would recommend at least is all of them. But is An Unearthly Child, The Sensorites and Dalek Invasion of Earth, because I think those are the ones that really showcase her. We would say Marco Polo, but honestly, it's... You can't find it anywhere. You'd have to read it or you'd have to listen mm. to it. And some most people, I think, soundtracks are a different aspect of who that they aren't. It's, it's not even like Big Finish. It is you have to really concentrate. But if you want to do that, very, I would definitely recommend Marco Polo. Mm. Um, now, I have listed all the stories and I have said stuff in this podcast, which would be, if you're listening, would be useful because we are going to do a quiz on Twitter. And hopefully this will be out in the morning on the Tuesday of the 2nd of March, I think. That's what we're aiming for. Whatever whatever day it comes out, the following day, I will be putting a quiz on our on our Twitter page. It'll be just, it's three questions, two of which I will have covered, one of which, if you are... I mean, I will, I'm not going to say cheat and Google it, but you can very easily cheat and Google it. If you understand the question, I have given an answer in this that I just said in passing. Um, but that is going to be how it works for each podcast. We will have a quiz about that companion. 
we will have a couple of easier questions from one that is at least if not significantly harder than one that I would have had to think about myself and we are offering a prize for each one depending on the character we may have more than one prize we may have more than one winner but you will only win one prize at a time for our first one I have a spare copy of the target novelization of Marco Polo so that is what I'm offering as the first prize for the first quiz so if you do want to enter I will tweet out the questions just DM your answers to our podcast page and if you're right in all of them then your name will go in the hat and we will just do a randomly selected winner it because I, I think frankly first come first served is just mean um, <laughs> but if, if nobody gets all of them right then it's you know most correct answers but we're hoping that you will be able to um, so just DM us your answers and you might win and obviously if you do we'll, we'll let you know and ask for an address to send it to now that will be out hopefully on a Wednesday so just keep your eye out now we are going to be doing more classic companions than new companions purely on the basis that there is more just a bit <laughs> yeah will, just a bit so our next episode will be classic and our following episode will be new episode three technically episode four depends on what you count the podcast uh, the po- pilot of the podcast as but i will call it episode three episode three we aren't revealing until next time episode two we are going to be talking about ben jackson who was mike Michael Craze, yes. Yes. I knew that and I still doubt myself. So now he is still, we're still in 1960s. We are going to be covering the latter end of the first Doctor and the beginning of the second Doctor. If you know anything about, if you've seen any of his episodes, please let us know what you think. If you haven't, if you haven't, just let us know if you haven't really. Uh, Any questions you have, anything you want us to talk about because... We do tend to ramble. Mm, I mean, even if you've listened to his big finish and not watched his stories or whatever, let us yeah. know what you I think. Mean, um, was it Elliot, Elliot Chapman? Is it yeah. Elliot? Yes. Yeah, lovely guy. Whites. Lovely guy. Follow he him. Is, he He's really lovely. <laughs> now, I would say he is a lesser known one. Susan, mm. I think everyone knows by name, if not by character. <laughs> The character we've chosen for episode three, if you like New Who, you will know who they are quite a lot. Ben, I think, is someone that not as many people are aware of. Now, if if you know him, let us know what you think. If you don't, let us know what you want us to talk about as well as the character. Because we have managed to cover New Who, Big Finish... Wars of Gummage, anything we can think of in this episode. So if there is anything other than the strict guidelines of talk about that one character that you want to talk about in Who in general, or if there's anything we've said in this one that you want to have us want us to have a chat about, or you want to have a chat about with us, just let us know. Because um, I, I enjoy it, and both of us are on the, the our Twitter page for the podcast, so if you want to talk to us, just let us know. I'll be very interested in what you think of what we've said. And if there's anything you, we haven't said, we haven't covered, that you'd, you would have wanted us to, and I know we haven't covered The Five Doctors purely on the basis that it is a good episode, it's a, it, I really enjoy it, but Susan isn't a massive part of it. But if you wanted us to talk about that, then let us know, and we will cover it at the beginning of next time, um, as well as having conversations about it with you on Twitter. So just let us know. Um, 
I think all we've got left now, instead of me being as abrupt as I was last time, is to thank everyone who has helped and who has written in. And if there's anyone I've missed, I do apologise, but I don't think there is. I mean, the, However, also, so the other thing sorry. I will mention is last podcast, I think we talked about listen-alongs as well now. The only, now, <laughs> what we were going to do is, because the podcast comes out next week, to do a listen-along on the Saturday, but yes. there is, as many of you know, a watch-along of the Demons on the 6th of March, I hope. I think it's the 6th. Um, I'm pretty sure. And so, obviously, because of that, it would clash. So, I'll, I will see where I can fit in the Susan listens we had planned. But, if you want to watch the Demons, it's... Uh, <laughs> going to be all over twitter there's various people associated with it and yeah so go go and check it out and if you've never seen the demons before i recommend it it's a very good story yes if you've never seen any john pertwee which is frankly disgraceful <laughs> watch that one. Good. Yeah. um no i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you get you get john pertwee you get katie manning and you get nick courtney so i think you're going to be happy with that now should should we reveal the listens i think we should because just to tease people with yes. a little bit we will announce the date uh, when the podcast goes up. I'm hoping it will be sooner rather than later. Mm. But we are going to be covering on with those young Susan and old Susan. Now, the beginning of Susan's war, as far as I'm aware, doesn't spoil too much of her journey with the Eighth Doctor. The end of Susan's war does, but... We've chosen Sphere of Influence, which is episode one of Susan's War, because I think that gives you a good handle on who she is now, as it were. And if you'd watched the Sense Rights on our recommendation, it's a good one to follow up with. Now, what was our choice for classic? Was it was it the Sleeping Blood? Uh, I cannot remember for the life of me. Let's have a look. I think it may have been. I'm so rubbish. Uh, nah, you're fine. I wrote it down somewhere. Big emphasis on somewhere. We're going to be keeping this in, aren't we? Just us rambling on. Yeah, obviously. Did I did I write this down? <laughs> I remember. Us I've genuinely not written the other one. I'm really stupid. I've not. I've no, written. Yeah. Oh, I've oh, written wait, Sphere of Influence wait. and not written down the other one. I've got my my Who calendar, which I'm just going to advertise someone here because I'm allowed to because of our podcast. <laughs> if you don't follow at the city of Jeff on Twitter. He is amazing. And I have got uh, one of his calendars, which is really, really, really lovely, who mock up pictures. Now, no, we hadn't. I was wrong. We decided small semblance of hope. Yes, we did. I knew that. Now, if you want to listen to that one, it is a short trip. Nice and cheap. It's and lovely stories. Nice and cheap. <laughs> I am going to Google, and I'm pretty sure it's, what, 2 Uh Yes, yeah, something like that. Uh, big finish a small semblance of home it's the ninth story in the eighth series of short trips yeah it's 2.99 and if you have it's it's cheap if you want to listen to it if you don't or if you can't afford it that is completely fair enough if you already have it please join if you want to now susan's war is if you don't have it more expensive because it is a special release it is a box set it is 30 pound on download 
and we will be doing the first episode of it it's if you have it. There. Let me just check something because sometimes uh, they offer sort of like excerpts or free episodes and stuff. So I wonder if there is an excerpt. Is an there an excerpt of, of it? it? Is there not? But I don't know how long it is. Let me have a little look. Because mm. it's a. Uh, yeah, it's just because an that excerpt. That would be a good thing to do. How long is it? Do you know? Uh, 18 minutes. That doesn't really help. Are <laughs> you. Well, no. What I was going to say, if you do want to listen, but you're not overly sure if you'd like it, maybe it's free, so get yourself yeah. the excerpt of mm. it, and you can listen along with, for the first 18 minutes. I'm assuming it's the first 18 minutes. Mm. It'd be weird if we finished to do the middle 18 minutes. So listen along with us, and if you enjoy it, then maybe you can buy it and listen to it on your own time and come back and discuss it with us. But I knew there was someone I was going to forget, and it was the listens, because I hadn't written it down on my list. Um, but yes, yeah, so we will announce when this episode is up, when our listen will be, mm. and the plan is always to do a more recent and an older one. And our semblance of home is only going to be forty minutes, minutes forty-five minutes, something like that at the most. Sometimes they're even like half an mm. hour, and Susan's war is going to be more like fifty to an hour. You do not have to join us for both, but if you would like to, then we'd love to have you. Um, if it is a Saturday. Due to work commitments, I may not be able to join for all of it, but I will be there, and me and Lily will also be there. Mm, I will, I will look into that and see when I can organise things for you. But yeah, but that will be the plan going forward. Mm. Is we'll have quizzes and we will have a couple of listens per companion every other week. Now, that's all, and the only thing that was on my list, which I realised after we've done the whole ending, is that we never covered. Has Susan actually named the TARDIS? <laughs> <laughs> because that is a bone of contention, I think. Mm. I'm going to put it out there and say, if you haven't seen Unearthly Child, watch Unearthly Child. Yeah, that... And let us know what you think of that. Yeah, point. I mean, I will... Because I'm, I want to know what I mean, I will just are. say that the implication of that is interesting because, obviously, don't the other people on Gallifrey also call them a TARDIS? Every single person on Gallifrey, as well as a lot of people who aren't Gallifrey and just know of a TARDIS's existence. Mm-mm. It just means Susan's a queen, obviously. Yeah, she did that. She's a queen. That's that, that, that's what I'm gonna go with right now. Yep, fair enough. That's our official <laughs> podcast opinion. Susan did it, and she's a queen. <laughs> so then, um, I, 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 I get, like I get, it. just <laughs> don't, no, don't, do not edit that out. I like that. Um, yeah, so I, I'm already looking forward to the next one because I don't know an awful lot about Ben myself. So I will be watching all of his stories that mm. I can. I met so, um, Peter Craze once. He was lovely. Um, of course, he's no longer with us now, unfortunately, but very nice man. We are lucky that Caroline is still with us. A few, we do. There are there aren't that many companions who are no longer with us. There's only a few, fortunately. Mm. But you know, if um. Yeah, if there's anything you want us to talk about, if there's anything you think we haven't covered and want to talk, want to cover, mm. let us know. If there's anything you think of Ben, let us know. If there's anything in general about him mm. that you would like us to discuss. Mm. If, for any reason whatsoever, as I was saying about Carol Ann Ford, if you are interested in Michael Craze at all, there is an excellent episode of Gideon's Way. Again, I can't remember what it's called because I'm really rubbish. 
but it's got Michael Craze in it. I think it might be the George Sewell episode as well. But anyway, check it out. It's excellent. Look it up on IMDb. I would recommend it. There we go. That's your recommended watching for the next fortnight. <laughs> no. You just let us know. And thank you for listening. And thanks to everyone who contributed. That's what I was going to do before I'd forgotten about the listens. Was. Now, not everyone who contributes is also a podcaster. I would recommend looking on uh, Elliot on EJ Coates because his poetry and his work is excellent and deserves being read. Now, Jake, who I do consider a good Twitter friend, he hosts the Married to Who podcast and they have just released their episode on Rosa this morning, which would have been last week by the time you listen to this. And I think by the time you listen to this, they would have released that episode on Arachnids in the UK. And they are currently going to, well, when you listen to this, they will have wanted, they will have recorded their Demons episode, I think, and they would be on to Kablam. So I'm looking forward to those because I really, I'm really excited for what they think of those. And Chris at The Seymour Trash, he has got his own podcast coming out soon, which I I'm certain it's called, yes, it's Five Round Rapid, which is him and his friend Alice watching Classic Who, which I'm very excited for because I love seeing people's reactions to Classic Who. So please, if you can, subscribe and support both of those because they deserve it. And our lovely friends who have strong opinions about teachers and their boundaries, um, neither the time nor the space, who are wonderful and... They have just, as far as I'm aware, what was their most recent one? I apologise for this, guys. I am listening to you. I just have <laughs> been a bit distracted lately. Where can't I find it? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna go into my podcast and see. Um, their last episode was on when it loads. I'm a really bad fan now of you guys. I apologise for that. Because I am listening, but it's just taking me forever. Oh, I can't find it. That is odd. Okay. Bear with me. Neither the time. Here you go. Neither the time nor space. Their latest one was on Under the Lake. So they've, they are this very similar to Married to Who, Going Through New Who. So please subscribe to those as well. Because every, I just genuinely do think they're all excellent. And you do... if you, I just listen to them because they deserve it. And they do excellent work. But for now, I think we're just going to leave you. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, join us next time to see what we think of Ben. Yep, yeah, alright. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>